Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see all of you here joining us again on the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Along with my twin brother, Danny Brown, we are thrilled to be able to bring and introduce our next guest. We are excited to be able to have CMAC join our program. CMAC and I have gone back quite a few years. We're great friends. He is a successful business executive. He's worked within the consumer package uh, goods industry as well as transportation services and the financial services industries. When I met CMAC and his family first, he was a vice president serving in the financial sector as a, a vice president of one of the largest banks in our country. So right now, CMAC is doing a lot of great things. He's, his family has been growing, but he's currently serving as a consultant, as an executive. He's coaching other leaders, other thought leaders, and helping them to not only grow their presence online, but also to grow successful businesses. So I want to welcome CMAC to the show. Welcome, CMAC, and thank you for joining us. It is absolutely a treat to be here with uh, you, Dave, and with Dan. Uh, again, uh, it's great to be on Twins Talk It Up. So honored to have you, bud. I'm really grateful for you and your family. And really, we could have taken this talk in so many different places, so many different places. And and before I go further, I'll, I'll let Dan share a few words, but we're really honored to be able to grab at least a little bit of time with you. And I know our listeners are going to benefit from the things we're going to talk about today. Exactly. I would have to say personally, um, my wife and I have greatly benefited from your mentorship and your advice mm-hmm. over the many years that we've known each other. Um, my wife and I had a business together. CMEC was uh, instrumental in helping us to just really have the right mindset to go forward with our business. Uh, we sold our company. Jenny started a new business. I started a new business. And it all came down to just the way that you sat down with us and helped us to really think about business as a whole, about having the right mind process, the right thought process. We're going to talk a little bit later on about integrity, actually having integrity about how we set up our practice and our business as well. So I would have to say I'm thrilled that you're able to join us on the Twins Talking Up podcast. Like I said, I can personally testify to your leadership. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit more today and just just want to say that uh, your thought process, your strategy, just the way you facilitate and the way you look at management and mentoring and leadership is something that I think the world needs to learn a little bit more about. And I'm hoping that we can get just a glimpse of that today in the Twins Talking Up. So I am very happy to have you on board, CMAC. I'm very happy that the rest of the world get to hear and listen to some advice that you get to share today. And I know that Dave and I have greatly benefited, specifically me and my wife, from our corporate careers. Uh, Danny, it is absolutely a treat. I'm glad that uh, uh, we were able to make even some small contributions there. But uh, again, uh, really excited to be with both of you today. Uh, thanks so much. Awesome. So glad to have you, CMAC. Well, a few Probably about a couple months ago, Dan and I did an episode on traits of great leadership. Mm-hmm. And in one of those traits, we talked about credibility. And within credibility, we really didn't do a deep dive, but you can really 
think about the concept of integrity. But before we talk about integrity, because that's really the topic I want to get into you, with you today, C-Mac, you've done so much work on really mentoring and coaching other leaders. Who are some of the thought leaders that you had in your life, people that helped shape you to really becoming the professional that you are and really the work that you've done and success you've had? Yeah, um, let me say I've been so fortunate. Uh, I've served as a, a corporate officer for uh, several Fortune 500 companies. Uh, as you ta- as you started out uh, working with uh, transportation services, uh, with uh, consumer packaged goods, and with uh, financial services, and I've been so lucky. I've had great bosses. Uh, I've had great coworkers. Uh, I've had uh, great uh, coaches, executive coaches, and uh, quite frankly, I've had some great uh, people who worked for me that that uh, I think anyone uh, who uh, op- operates in the realm of integrity would say that you learn as much from those who report to you as you do from those that you report to. And so, uh, again, let me just start by saying that uh, I've really been so fortunate to work for great companies, uh, work with great people along the way. Uh, I- I've also been uh, very, very fortunate to uh, have the opportunity to work with some people that some of your listeners uh, will be more familiar with. And, uh, and they have helped me. I hope that I've helped them a little bit. Uh, but uh, j- just uh, uh, a couple of examples. Uh, I was able to, uh, right after uh, Vernon Jordan got shot, uh, I was able to spend uh, two hours with him in, at a board meeting in Park City, Utah. And uh, it was, uh, it, you know, it was a tough time for him. I mean, the man had just been shot a couple of months before that. And we just spent two hours and he, he just wanted to talk. And uh, we, we spent two hours together. Uh, it was great uh, time. And what I appreciated most was uh, we, uh, we met uh, probably a year or two later at an executive leadership dinner, leadership conference dinner. And he actually stopped and picked right up with our conversation from, like I said, uh, would, have, would have been several months ago, uh, he picked right up on the exact conversation and we just kept the conversation going. Uh, but, but I was so fortunate to have spent that time with him. He was on the board of directors of the uh, company that I was working with at the time. And so we, again, just had a tremendous, tremendous time uh, spending uh, time together on that. Uh, a second example, uh, would be uh, our, our, our President Barack Obama. Uh, my wife and I uh, got to spend some time with both uh, Michelle and with Barack, and uh, they were really interested in how, uh, how my wife and I handled uh, a busy schedule. Mm. And so uh, we, we sat down with them, and he was uh, just about to run for U.S. Senate. Wow. And as we did, Michelle was really concerned that if he ran for U.S. Senate, uh, would she, uh, she and the girls uh, still get time with him? Or would he just be you know, so busy that, that uh, they wouldn't uh, spend time with him in the future and wouldn't see him adequately? And they asked us, how do the two of you uh, handle a busy schedule? And uh, at the time, I was serving as, as president and CEO of a division of a, fort, of a trillion dollar uh, asset, trillion uh, asset co- uh, financial services company. And uh, when we talked about it, we talked about my wife, first of all, always having my schedule, Mm. which uh, which she just always had the schedule. And then second, any time that she felt I needed to spend more time with her or more time with uh, one of our kids, uh, that she would always have veto power uh, over my calendar. 
And uh, as a part of that, uh, I would never make her feel guilty for whatever I had to cancel. And, uh, and I shared with them that my wife, uh, Tanisha, had only used that one time. And uh, that uh, because I was on the board of the Steppenwolf Theater, uh, I was having dinner that night with uh, Gary Sinise, better known as Sergeant Dan. And uh, as, uh, as he and I were about to have dinner that night, my wife called and said, uh, hey, our son uh, is having a violin recital tonight, and I would really like for you to be there. Uh, and I said, absolutely, I'll be there. That's our deal. And uh, so without telling her what I had to cancel, uh, mm -hmm. I, I simply rescheduled uh, the dinner with, uh, with Gary Sinise and uh, went and spent time uh, with my, at my son's uh, violin recital. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Michelle turned to Barack and said, can you do that? And uh, he said, yes, I can do that. And she said, okay, you can run for, for U.S. Senate then. And uh, as, we, as we all know, uh, that then turned into running for president. And for my wife and I, we later served on uh, his uh, uh, Senate Finance Committee. And in his uh, second term of, of running for president, uh, there was a fundraiser in New York and, and we're, we're uh, here. And as we're here, uh, you've got this long line of people who've given a lot more money than my wife and I ever could. And uh, it was great watching Barack, uh, President Obama, uh, shake hands, shake hands, shake hands. And uh, when I got up uh, to the front of the line, uh, he gives me this huge bear hug and everyone's looking at me like, who are you? We've <laughs> given all this money, but you get the big bear hug. Yeah. And, and uh, as you go through this, uh, again, it's just a, a, another example of when people uh, know that you're operating with integrity, mm -hmm. uh, when they know that uh, you live uh, the values and the principles uh, that you actually profess, uh, it makes a big difference for you and it's a big difference for their life. So, uh, so those are two examples. And uh, later in the podcast, uh, I can go into more examples of time with uh, John Johnson, uh, who gave my, uh, my uh, family a personal tour of Ebony Magazine or uh, with Earl Graves uh, Sr., who, who really uh, just provided me some great uh, business advice uh, through the years. Um, and uh, even with the uh, CEO of American Express with Ken Chenault. Mm -hmm. uh, he and I became pen pals, and, and I, I uh, continue to keep and treasure uh, the letters that he wrote me, just encouraging me with my career. And so, again, those are, are just a few of the examples, but uh, I just come back to none of us becomes the men or women uh, that we are in life without lots of input, without lots of help from others. And it's not just those that, we're, that are above us, uh, it's those that are below us as well uh, who can impact us. So again, I've been very, very fortunate with the advice of many, many great people. I love that, C-Mac. And it's, it's really humbling to hear that you can make such a great impact with your life. I mean, even the way you've shared that story of the incredible people you met, the incredible people that helped shape you as much as you've shaped them. And I will tell you that it's really inspiring because it all ties back to what you said. It's about the aspect of your character. And in this specific topic we're talking about is the topic of integrity. And I would love to do another show just talking about mentorship and the way people are, are really influencing you and how we've got to bring that back more in our culture today. I don't see it as much with our younger generation. And I think that's vital for the success of what we need to be able to see in our businesses going forward. But let me ask you this, C-Mac, as we get going here, 
how would you define integrity? When we talk about business integrity, how do you define it? And how do you look at that? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Today, we'd like to thank our sponsor, AppGallop, where cloud meets commerce. AppGallop is a cloud commerce automation and marketplace platform, enabling service providers to drive revenue growth, achieve agility, and kickstart digital transformation. In fact, if you're in the telco space or you're an internet service provider, AppGallop will accelerate your time to the fast-growing cloud market, delivering all the top-selling cloud services to your customers with unified identity, access, subscription billing, and payment management. If you want to sell your cloud platform, you need AppGallop. If you have telco products, circuit switches, hosting services, whether it's private cloud or public cloud, and you want to include AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google, you want to make sure you use AppGallop, the one-stop platform for digital transformation. Thank you very much, AppGallop. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. Yeah, when I think about integrity, I think about it as a, a layered, complex uh, topic. And so I think when it comes to personal integrity, a lot of that is honesty. And, uh, and uh, as many have discussed before, you know, that's really credibility uh, that's being trustworthy. Uh, but, but I think as you get into organizations, into companies, uh, even into uh, societies or countries, it becomes much more complex. Right. And it becomes a lot more around values. There's, there can always be a code of conduct. There can always be a Ten Commandments. There can always be the Hippocratic Oath. But uh, what really matters are the values uh, that a company or an organization or a country stands for. And uh, I would even go so far as to say uh, it is far deeper than what's on paper. It's what's reinforced. And what is it that, uh, uh, that people value? Uh, what is it that, uh, and again, when I say reinforced, it's uh, what is fair, what is consistently reinforced? Because when, whenever uh, individuals see that one group of people are treated differently than another, and that could be direct reports of a CEO, uh, that could be a certain uh, tribe of people, uh, the ability to hold integrity, to hold values, becomes very, very tough. And once that starts to break down, uh, it, it really negatively affects the entire company and it, it negatively affects the entire country. And so, uh, so when, when I look at this, again, it's a layered, complex topic, uh, but it really comes back to more than what's on paper, 
what is reinforced in the culture of the company, the culture of the country, and what are the values that are consistent, that are fairly applied to everyone, such that, that people can say with pride, this is what my organization stands for. This is what my company stands for. This is what my country stands for. Uh, and, and can say that in, with a reliability that, uh, that this is how, uh, how the organization will function. And uh, again, that goes far deeper than what's on paper. It's what is reinforced day in and day out. I really appreciate the breakdown. This is Danny, by the way, because we both sound alike. So every now and then I have to tell people who, who David is and who Danny is when we chime in. Uh, so right. you, brought, you brought up something very, very crucial. You had mentioned that uh, the tribe or a group of people, maybe direct reports to the CEO. There's, there's, there's this feeling sometimes that people get left out or because they're not part of the, that tribe or they're not part of that circle, that they're, they're, they're not part of that particular special, special uh, circumstances and things like that. I always find it interesting because as leaders, you have to be more conscious sometimes and be more aware. Uh, even as parents, do I spend more time with one child over the other? Mm -hmm. Do I forget to spend time with my wife because I'm so focused on doing other things? Let's hope not. Yeah. I can see why your wife said, hey, look, I got to have veto power. I can see why Michelle Obama was excited about that as well. Um, you know, younger people today, and I'm glad you, you brought up, uh, I, I was a, a sponsor at the Black Enterprise Entrepreneur Summit. I, I was one of the sponsors. And we had a chance to see a lot of young um, individuals ask questions about their career, about their future. And you always see the big, the big companies there, the Microsofts, the Googles, and Amazons. You always see those big companies at these big conferences. But the younger people are asking the same question over and over again. Can I trust that company? Do I want my name associated with that company? Not just the brand, but do I believe in the leadership? And so when we look at statistics it, you know, in the U.S., just the U.S. alone, one in seven companies in the United States commits fraud every year. And it costs an estimated $300 billion a year. So because younger people and, and even some older people would like to tie themselves to a company that has integrity, how, how can organizations who have that brand, who have that leadership position in the marketplace, how can they maintain that integrity so that uh, people can be proud to work for them? Yeah, again, um, I, I thought your, uh, one of your previous podcasts really uh, went at that topic really well. The, the podcast you had with uh, Tony Chapman, uh, because uh, uh, there are those that uh, from the top would say, here's what we stand for. But uh, when you get further into the organization and are working for a department or for a division of that company, the integrity and the character that's inside of that group, uh, let's say a, a sales force may operate differently uh, than the HR organization. But, but uh, inside of a company, it can, it can vary. And, uh, and so, so as you go through this, uh, I really uh, encourage people, uh, if you're trying to determine uh, if a company is trustworthy, uh, to, to really spend time on operational risk. Uh, how do they operate? How do they pay people? How do they reward uh, others? And also to spend time uh, with reputational risk. And so do your research uh, when it comes to reputational risk and uh, what the, the best indication of the future is what's happened in the recent past. And so, uh, so as you go through this, uh, spending time uh, asking even competitors uh, what they feel about that company, asking former employees 
uh, how do things really work at that company uh, within that organization is a great way of, of uh, being able to make that determination. Uh, when we look at this from a standards perspective, there's nothing on the, uh, the perspective of integrity that would be on the, the level of an independent uh, integrity assessment, something like gap accounting, yep. where you, you know this is how, uh, how things are, are taken, how they're measured and measured consistently uh, across companies. The closest that I've seen is something called ESG investing, where they really do look at the environment. They really do look at society or social issues. They really do look at governance. And uh, that standard has uh, really, uh, I think, become a good way of looking at companies today. It's the closest that we've got uh, in terms of, of what's a standard. Uh, but I, I hope that over time, even that standard will be, uh, will be uh, strengthened, will be made a little bit more consistent across companies. Uh, but that's really the best that we've got today. Yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I, I think as you stated, um, you know, there's some, there's some standards today that we can work with, we can use, that, we can use as we go forward. And it, ca- it has to continuously evolve. And I think we have to yes. continuously go back and reassess on, uh, continuously now. I mean, now that we have COVID in place, by the way, this is Danny again, now that, now that COVID's been, been around, it's been here, there are a lot of organizations, CEOs, board leadership, who's taken advantage of insider trading to try to get more money in their stock and things like that. How can, how can leaders not fall into that trap during COVID to, to make shortcuts or to, to uh, inflate things that are not real in order to try to make more money during this time, during this pandemic? Uh, what, what can we personally share? What can you share personally and how leaders should think about themselves uh, as they go forward, specifically with COVID and how things look today in the market for big businesses? Yeah, I, I, I think, Danny, uh, first of all, let me just say it's a great question and one that is timely and relevant. Mm-hmm. And, and so as we go through this, uh, uh, we're, we're really experiencing uh, two, maybe three pandemics all at the same time. Uh, we're experiencing the pandemic of COVID-19, we're experiencing the pandemic of racial inequality, and we're experiencing the pandemic of a global economic recession uh, that, that could uh, go into a depression if not addressed uh, from both a fiscal and a monetary perspective. And so as, as you look at that, uh, I think across the spectrum, uh, the results or the judgments would be mixed because you would have to look at it from the perspective of corporations, you'd have to look at it from the perspective of uh, governments, Uh, you'd have to look at it from the perspective even of small businesses. And across each of those, again, I I think it's been very, very mixed. Um, uh, When you look at it from a corporate perspective, the fact that uh, companies have done a very good job of saying, uh, for as many employees as can will work work remotely, uh, I think that's been a huge positive. Uh, at the same time, uh, you've got certain companies that are uh, taking advantage of the uh, government uh, uh, assistance programs. And uh, I think yesterday, seven people were arrested for taking those funds and buying Porsches or Lamborghinis with them. And so, um, you know, as you go through that, that that's just not good. And uh, as you look at a government perspective, I think, unfortunately, we're we're in a situation where the Fed has done everything that it can from a monetary perspective 
and monetary policy to keep the economy going to, to fight COVID as much as it can. But from a fiscal policy, uh, our, our Congress has not been able to work together to do a second uh, stimulus package. And the lack of that is not only going to uh, uh, force uh, families into evictions, uh, will force more families into food insecurity, uh, force companies to go out of business. Uh, more small businesses will go out of business, uh, but it will, it will significantly impact uh, our economy, particularly in the first quarter of 2021. And uh, again, uh, that is a, a reflection of leadership. It is a reflection of integrity. It is a reflection of how deeply do we care for our fellow uh, men and women. And, and I would just add to that, uh, just the simple act as individuals of wearing a mask, of social distancing, uh, as you go through this is something that we can each do. And again, it's not political. It's not making a political statement. It's simply that I care enough about my fellow man, my fellow brother, my fellow sister, my neighbor, that I'm gonna wear a mask and social distance. And uh, particularly as we get into the holidays and we look at COVID-19, those are things that are within our control. And so Danny, again, your question is a great question. Uh, my response is the, the judgment of how we're doing across all the, the key measures is a mixed response. There are some areas that we've done well in. We're all excited that there are vaccines that are coming down the pike uh, that should be hugely helpful. But the key question is gonna be uh, who gets them and uh, who, uh, as you get through uh, the distribution phase and the manufacturing phase, uh, where, where do they go first? And, uh, and, and so, you know, do they get to communities that are in need uh, that have the most potential for people to have comorbidities of diabetes, of, of being overweight, of high blood pressure? Uh, you know, do, will those communities uh, get that vaccine in time to save lives? And so, again, it's a mixed response. Uh, we have to do better. And again, not just one segment of our economy or one segment uh, of the uh, corporate infrastructure, but for large businesses, small businesses, we have to do better. Yes. That's a great point, C-Mac. I appreciate you sharing that. And thanks for pointing that out. I, I think what's really interesting and what breaks my heart is when you hear about the stories of those people that do take advantage of the system or because there's a rush to get aid to American citizens, multimillionaires, companies that are nowhere near challenged like others are taking the money. We hear about these sports franchises taking the funds and some giving them back. And, and it, it really just gets to the core of, you know, how do they value integrity for themselves? And when you're in that situation where you gotta make that split decision, in, in just the moment, you gotta you gotta make a call that where you could perhaps compromise your integrity or you can compromise your company's brand or reputation. What do you do? So the the thought I had, C Mac, or at least the question is thinking back to your long career and the many organizations that you've been a part of, have there ever been a, has there ever been a time where perhaps you failed the integrity test or maybe you were thrown in a situation that was a crisis? And you acted in a way that you thought back was probably not the way you should have acted. Has there ever been a time that you've done that person? Because I know we've seen it. We've heard the stories. And, mm -hmm. But have you ever been in that situation where you've seen that happen for yourself? 
No, absolutely. And let me just say that uh, anyone that is talking about integrity uh, who is not willing to also share uh, their personal failures, I would have a struggle. I would struggle to trust uh, what they would say on integrity, yeah. because at the end of the day, all of us have made mistakes. All of us have done things that we look back on and we say, "Boy, I should not have done that." And uh, the 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 key difference is, did we learn lessons along the way? And uh, with all with the mistakes that we make, uh, again, the issue is not that we try to cover it up. The issue is not. Uh, that we try to to uh, to make it disappear, it's do we face it straight on? Do we face it head on? Uh, do are we honest about it? Uh, are we proactively uh, talking about here's the mistake that I've made? And importantly, how what did I learn from it? And, and so I, I would offer one or two uh, examples. Uh, the, those that uh, have known me across those companies would tell you uh, he, all, he, he may have offered one or two. There are hundreds, and I would agree with them. There are hundreds of examples where I could have done better and should have done better. And so, uh, but, but just to, to uh, start, I had one, uh, con uh, uh, one situation where I personally was, um, uh, let me say that when, when you get into senior management, uh, you are uh, often uh, sitting in on not just uh, the personnel reviews of yourself, but you're sitting in on the personnel reviews of hundreds of people. And one of the things that I have always done, uh, particularly with uh, uh, men and women of color, is I have often looped back with them to say, when, when your boss uh, gave you your personnel review, what did you hear? And, uh, and, and so I'll, I'll listen to what they've heard. And having sat in on the review myself, I know what their boss and their boss's boss would have said to the general team. And, and so, you know, I have, have that information. And in one situation, I was listening to uh, a young man who, uh, um, a young man of color who was uh, very talented, at least I thought he was talented. Uh, and when I heard his boss's review of his performance, uh, it was it was uh, pretty bad. And, and in fact, uh, I think he, he was uh, uh, pretty close to being walked out of the company for, for poor performance. But when I listened to what he thought he heard in his personnel review, he thought he was a superstar uh, and, and that uh, that that uh, his career was going in, in, in great places. And so uh, I sat down with him and I said, look, um, you know, you, you really need to spend time uh, going back to your boss and asking again, uh, what is, how does the company view your performance? Mm -hmm. And uh, you really need to, to, to double check that again. And so uh, he did that, but, but he, he went uh, a little further than that. And uh, he said, CMAC told me I needed to go back to you. <laughs> and and I needed to ask you what what you told me, and and it may not have been the same as what you said in the review. So so he he actually took it further than than I had actually even shared. And so his boss uh, went back to corporate HR, and uh, and and so I got called in. And as I got called in, it was like you know, well, CMAC, did you have lunch with this individual? Did you tell them they needed to go back? And I said, yes, th those are things that I did. I did not uh, do some of the other things that I'm accused of, but yes, uh, I did that. And, and by the way, I do that for many of the men and women of color to make sure that, that what they're hearing 
is what is being said. And at the end of the day, I, I fessed up quickly to what I had done, what I had said, and, and I got a slap on the wrist for having done that, uh, which, which again, I had to accept. Uh, what, uh, and, and the recommendation from my supervision uh, and from HR was, hey, in the next time that that happens, come back to us and we'll go back to that person's manager and have that discussion. We'll make sure that, that everything, but please do not have that conversation directly with the employee. Uh, uh, and I said, look, uh, you're right. Uh, what I did was, uh, uh, was inappropriate. And I had to, again, uh, get the slap on the wrist for what I did. Uh, and it's sometimes we try to justify things by our intentions. I, I don't do that. What I did was wrong, and I admit that what I did was wrong. And, uh, and so, again, I, uh, that would be one example. I don't know, Dave or Danny, if you want to ask me any follow-up questions from that example before I go to the next example. I, I would like to say that, um, that despite doing something that got your hand, uh, your wrist or your hand slapped, one thing you did very clearly, you, you admitted up front. Here's what yes. I did. And, and I see a lot of leaders, they don't do that. No. They try to blow it over, make excuses, blame somebody else. They just don't come up right out front and just say what they did. And, and I can respect somebody who did that because the, you, then you have to ask, what was the intention? And your, your intention in your heart was, was, was not bad at all. Nothing about it was bad. Uh, it was just that you were able to admit right away what you did and, and just move on. Yeah. I just kind of wish more leaders would follow that example. It's just not done enough. <laughs> mm. No, um, I, uh, again, I think uh, that's one of my rules for integrity is uh, you always uh, work to be honest. You always work to tell the truth. And it is amazing when you do that, um, uh, when truth is on your side, again, people appreciate that if they have to go back and get witnesses and do investigations, uh, that, that tends to turn out with a different result. Yeah. Um, my, my second example uh, that I give you today is is even more, uh, uh, I'll call it even worse uh, than the first example. Okay. And uh, let me say that one of the things that I've always done throughout my career, uh, and I've had you know, uh, up to 10,000 people reporting into my organizations is I've always had sales forces. And with those sales forces, I've always taken them on uh, incentive trips uh, for the top performers. And uh, we always go to locations. We've been to Maui. We've been to the Dominican Republic. We, you know, we've been to Puerto Rico. We, we uh, I just, I took one group to London and Paris, but, but I, I just always believe in taking my top sales performers uh, on incentive trips and making sure that they're fun and making sure that I'm having fun with people. And uh, uh, on one trip uh, that was in uh, Puerto Rico, uh, we're out having fun and uh, we're drinking. And, and again, everyone's having a great time, uh, but I had too much to drink. And, uh, and uh, just to be completely uh, open and transparent and honest, I, uh, I, I, had, uh, I had more than I should and I ended up passing out. Mm. And as I, and again, I'm, I'm the big boss on the trip. And uh, I, I woke up in my villa and uh, with my clothes on on the bed, and uh, it's like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And so I, I found people and, and apologized to them, uh, said that was inappropriate. When I got back to the headquarters of the company I was working for at the time, I immediately went to my boss and to HR, said, here's what's happened. Uh, I was wrong. And, uh, 
and I will, whatever, uh, whatever is to become of this, I accept my punishment, but I want you to know this is what happened, but I don't want others to have to come to you. And uh, my immediate manager uh, came to me and, and said uh, later, did you learn your lesson? I said, absolutely, I learned my lesson. This is so embarrassing. Uh, and he said, okay, I just, as long as you've learned your lesson, we're good. And, and so as you go through this, again, that is really embarrassing. I can't tell you how embarrassing that was. If I, if I could turn red on screen right now, I'd be turning red even today from, uh, from what, what uh, happened. But, uh, but again, the, the key thing is that uh, I, I learned my lesson. I, I said, this is what happened. I proactively went to my management and to, to HR and said, here's what happened. And, uh, and I think that's what men and women of integrity do. It's not just that we're never going to make a mistake. Uh, we do, but we, we quickly and proactively deal with it. Yeah, uh, that's, by the way, Dave, uh, this is Dave, by the way. Dan, I had to jump in if you don't mind. No, go for um, it. I love that you were willing to take responsibility, CMAC. And that's really, to me, a mark of great leadership, a mark of integrity. And I've got to really say with what's been going on with our country, the United States of America, we've had the pandemic, we've been dealing with that, we've been dealing with the, the social challenges that we've been facing and still uh, need to keep addressing it. But we've had a recent election and we still have a runoff in, our, in, our, in one of our states in Georgia. And we hear that through all this time, there have been this sense of awakening for some people, some leaders, You've had people in, in the administration that have come out and been very forthright about things they've seen. Uh, we call those guys whistleblowers, right? And the whistleblowers uh, don't just happen in government. We've seen it in the business world. We've seen it with people that are willing to put their career on the line and risk even their own reputation by calling out truth. And if we're really fostering a, an organization with integrity from the top down, we have to ask, have there been times that even leadership besides owning it, they've called out other leaders. And so in your career, CMAC, has there been any instances where you've been a whistleblower of sorts and had to call out and expose leaders or other people within the organization, even if they were the top sales rep? Even yesterday, I had a conversation with a company out of Houston, Texas, and they were talking about how it was so tough in the organization because even when leadership was being exposed, the heads up said, hey, we got to take it because he's our number one producer. And so I've got to be able to ask, has there been times where maybe you've addressed that with other people? Maybe you've challenged the lack of integrity in leaders around you. Um, again, I would offer uh, one, maybe two examples sure. there. Uh, the, the first would be in my corporate career. Um, one of the, the, um, Guys, actually, actually, I'll use a, a one that has more, even more complex. Another example. So I'm using, I'm, I'm changing examples midway because I think it is more complex and more reflective of uh, of our discussion today. Okay. Uh, but I had a situation where uh, a gentleman who reported to me uh, was actually, uh, at least I, I was, uh, I discovered that he had set up a separate shell company, and in setting up the separate shell company, when he gave out contracts he would uh, have those that he gave contracts to uh, pay a certain percentage back to his, his shell company. Yeah. And uh, once I discovered this, and let me say he was a great employee. He was someone who uh, did his job well. 
Uh, he was excellent at what he did, uh, great performance. Uh, but uh, I had to make the hard decision. And the hard decision was, I really like this guy. Mm. Uh, he was someone that I had fun with, that I enjoyed spending time with personally. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I had to make the decision more than just to uh, let him go from the company. Uh, I had to uh, work with uh, security, uh, the corporate security group, to, uh, to confiscate bank accounts, houses, um, cars. Uh, we had to spend time with the local authorities. And, um, uh, and that was just so painful. Let me say that. You know, you'd say, well, this is the right thing to do. It is, it is hard to do that with someone you know. You know, it's easy when you don't know the person, you've never met them before. Uh, but, but this was a guy I liked a lot. And that the complexity of that situation, um, uh, you know, again, it got even more complex because after I took the, made the hard decision, and, and again, at the time, I, I'm a, a corporate officer of a Fortune 500 company in the annual report. Uh, the CEO came to me and said, look, who well, actually wasn't the CEO, it was the CEO's consigliere. And all CEOs have someone that speaks for them. Uh, right. and, and so the, the consigliere came to me and said, uh, the CEO wants you to know that he just told the board of directors what happened. And uh, he told them that, uh, that uh, we have fired all uh, there were five members in that department, five individuals. And, and I had to say, no, that, that is not the right decision. We, we have fired and taken the right action uh, with the individual who was uh, taking this action, but the other four are clean. I've, I've looked at their bank accounts. I've looked, I've talked to the people who were involved. They're clean. They have nothing to do with this. And he came back to me two days later and he said, well, um, here's the deal. If you don't want to fire them, you don't have to fire them. But if they are found later to have committed any type of fraud uh, with the company, not, with this situation or differently, uh, that is going to be your career. Oh, my gosh. And, and so I am proud to say that that. Uh, three of those individuals still work with that company uh, and in less than two years will retire with full benefits, full pension, awesome. 401k, everything. And, uh, and, and I, the thing that I'm most proud of is I never, I've never told them uh, the fact that I stood up for them, that the whole reason they're still retiring in a, in a couple, within two years is the fact that I wouldn't fire them. And, and I think that's what uh, leaders of integrity do. We don't go back to people and say, hey, I just saved your job and right. you owe me, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. We simply do what is right and uh, we, we, uh, we just do what is right. And I think that's the integrity. So that, again, that situation had uh, multiple layers of integrity to it mm -hmm. and multiple challenges of integrity to it. And, uh, and that, would have, that would be my first example. So let me stop there if you have any questions and then I'll go on to a second example. Uh, this is Danny, by the way. I, 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 would, I just want to throw in a, a thought process while you're talking about that because yes. Warren Buffett, he had said the same thing. And he had said, look, when I hire people to work for me, right, people that work directly with him, he looks for character. Yep. He said that he specifically looks for integrity. He looks for integrity, intelligence, and initiative. But he says that if he, if he identifies that this individual lacks integrity, the other two qualities don't even matter. Yep. Well, just to, just to hear what you stated earlier 
um, that you, from a business perspective, you stated what needed to be done, how it needed to be done, that you you stood up for the other four people within the organizations. Uh, this is something that you and Warren Buffett, I believe, were in the same alignment. You, you look yeah. for those individuals with the integrity. And the, the instant they lacked integrity, it didn't matter all the other characteristics you love about them, you liked about them. Personality, just being best friends, whatever it was, you had to focus on what was right and what was what needed to be done. So I, I would have to commend you on that. It's not easy for me, uh, senior leadership perspective, but to see that it had to be done, uh, which long-term effect was even better, uh, not just for you, but for the rest of the employees were better. So. Uh, that that's that's phenomenal. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. Thank you for checking out the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're enjoying this program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash DSB Leadership Speaking. Also consider leaving a great rating on iTunes and comment on our other platforms. If you would like more information, or would like to become a guest on a future episode, please send a message via our website, www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So, Danny, and let me say, I have, uh, I have quoted Warren Buffett on the quote you just made of Warren Buffett many, many times. Uh, you know, there, there's no one in business who doesn't pay attention to everything that Warren Buffett says, particularly his annual uh, uh, notes that he sends out. And uh, uh, that quote, though, is one that I've used many, many times. So thanks for bringing that up. So see, Mac, and, and go into a little bit further about what it felt like for you to go, I don't want to put these four people on that chopping block. They had nothing to do with it, even at the point of risking your own career. And it's kind of a day CEO's job of saying, like, I'm going to absolve myself from this. <laughs> see, Mac, that's on you. You know, and it was the easy out to say, let's just chop the whole department. And for you to go, no, it's it's not the entire department. It's they've got families, they've got situations. But I've seen personally into these four people and they have integrity. So you further went into really exemplifying what integrity is by saying, I'm going to stand up for what's right, even though my career might be on the line here. So you, the fact that you've kept up and you've seen these individuals and like you said, three of them are still there. That's amazing. Um, any other takeaways from that situation? Because even though they don't know, there are people listening to this podcast that are probably in that same boat where they're worried that they might lose their job. And, and, and the guy I was telling me about yesterday, he tried to expose the situation. 
and his job was lost. His job was lost. And that's, that's the danger I think that we, we have because we don't know if the HR, the senior manager, or at least the guy or the gal running the ship is going to just say, Hey, I'm getting rid of you anyways. Cause it costs me more to lose this guy than it is to keep him. Even if it means long-term, I might damage my overall organization's reputation. Yeah, Dave, I think uh, we all go through situations, we all, all go through experiences, in my opinion, so that later in life we can help others. Nice. And, and I would say just last week, uh, I was in a situation where uh, a, a friend of mine contacted me and, and let me know that he had just been let go uh, from a company and he was let go uh, because they thought he had done something. Mm. And uh, we, we spent time together uh, working and it's, a, you know, again, a major company. Uh, we went sp spent time together on what his response should be. Uh, and again, not, not to be accusatory, to make sure he took the high road, uh, to make sure that he, uh, though, asked the company to go back and to look at uh, the things that they should have done actually in their investigation. And what I'm very pleased to say is that when we do that, and, and they went back and they did look at what they should have looked at, they came back and apologized to him and said, you know what, we have looked at this more fully now, and we have concluded that you did not do what we accused you of doing. Nice. And uh, what, what it, what the reason I bring this up is we all need men and women in our lives that we can go to who can help us through tough situations, through challenging situations. And for this individual, uh, he was in the process of uh, buying a house. He's in the process of, you know, his, it would have affected his marriage, mm. uh, everything. And, and today he is gainfully employed. And unfortunately in the last four years, I have had to work through and help more people than I'm proud of, that I had to help through similar situations where they were under the gun for something that they didn't do or were cited for poor performance when their performance was the same or better than their peers. And again, it's that, that voice of experience to say, okay, here's how to handle this maturely. Uh, don't overreact. Here are the questions to ask. Here's who you ask those questions of. And when you go through that uh, uh, in, in more than half the times, it has turned out well for those individuals. And so again, I, I'm grateful that I uh, have gone through those tough situations because it is now allows me today to help many others who otherwise would not be in a position to be helped. And well, so, so I'm very grateful yeah. for those situations. I love that you've been a confidant for so many people, C-Mac, and that's amazing. And probably so much a reflection of what you truly believe inside and that you really are a supporter of these professionals. It's easy to get emotionally wrapped up in what you're going through. I got fired, this is not fair, this isn't right. But to be able to stop that person and say, let's, let's unravel this a little bit. Let's look at how to appropriately respond so that there can be eyes open. There can be ears mm -hmm. attentive to what you're going through. I love that. This is Dave, by the way, I, I always sometimes forget to say that, but uh, you mentioned earlier, C-Mag, that there, there were several examples. Were there any others that you wanted to share uh, outside of the one you just did? I'm sorry, I wanted to make sure I asked you that. Yeah, no, I, I would share a second example of, uh, uh, and this is, more, this is closer to your uh, question of being a whistleblower. 
And uh, again, w without names, without the organization's name, uh, et cetera, uh, I was uh, on a board of directors for a nonprofit and uh, discovered that uh, the uh, CEO of the nonprofit had given no bid contracts to uh, what would be considered uh, insiders or, or men and women of influence uh, who had influence over the organization. And uh, in that situation, uh, I worked for three years to try behind the scenes to try to get that situation corrected. I was unsuccessful at doing that. And uh, once um, uh, once it was clear that it was not going to be handled uh, appropriately, I then uh, brought it to public light because whenever you're dealing with a systemic issue, and again, systemic is different from individual, the only way to get it addressed is to bring it into public light. And as I brought it into public light, uh, there were uh, several retaliations against me personally. The uh, one that was... Um, uh, saddest was an individual actually uh, told others that I threatened to beat him up. And, uh, and I said, you know, I, I've done a lot in my life, but I just don't remember threatening to beat someone up. And I, and I told people, and he said this in a fairly large meeting. And I said, look, here's the deal. Go, go back and ask him, why did I threaten to beat him up? I said, let's assume that I'm an old guy. My memory's not bad. I don't remember doing it. But ask the second level question, which is, did, did he, you know, do something, uh, you know, on the order of, of you know, uh, I, I don't want to go be overly dramatic, but, you know, did he rape my wife? Did he threaten to, to do something to my grandkids? What, what was it that he did or said that I would want to beat him up? And every person that went back to him said he didn't have an answer. I said, okay, well, actually, he did give you the answer. If he can't tell you what he said or did, that, uh, that I would want to beat him up. And so, you know, as you go through this and you're working with integrity, uh, it, what uh, comes across is some people are more concerned with looking bad than they are with doing bad. And I'll say that again. Some people are more concerned with looking bad than they are with doing bad. And so as you go, you go through this, uh, there are going to be times when you do what is right but there are others who will not only uh, try to say that you're the one who did wrong, but they will uh, uh, share uh, inaccuracy, slander, however you want to put it. And as opposed to attacking them personally, again, I think as a, a man or a woman of integrity, what we do is we say, okay, go back and ask the second and third level question, which is if, if I did that, and, and, and you know, again, uh, I always tell people, I'm an old guy now, maybe I, you know, maybe I don't remember doing it. But if that's the case and I did do it, uh, then there's certainly there must have been a reason. So that let them give you the reason and then decide if, if who's telling the truth. But I don't remember it. And, and so, uh, so as you go through this, I think for all of us, uh, uh, the listeners on your podcast, uh, we really have to understand that there will be times when you take a position of integrity and there are those who try to punish you, who retaliate against you for taking a position of integrity. Yeah. And when that happens, again, don't personally retaliate uh, back. Simply ask the second and third level questions, which will reveal who's telling the truth and who's not. Wow. This is Danny, by the way. I love that example. I always think it's great to, as you said, to just ask those additional questions, yep. the second and third level questions. And 
more times than not, there's going to be uh, misunderstanding, misinterpretation uh, that will clear things up rather than allowing your emotions to lead you yep. uh, down a path that could, um, that you can't go back. <laughs> you can't yeah. go back. Um, I, I, I want to I kind of go down a little bit more further with that thought process of, uh, of an organization when you're a business owner. Um, mm -hmm. So if we think about the U.S. today and, and one of my nonprofits, uh, we had, I had formed a nonprofit with three other individuals this year. And, um, and DSB Leadership Group is a sponsor. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we had noticed that 40% of uh, Black-owned businesses in the SMB space have gone, out of, have gone out of business this year. And it, it has continued to get worse right now because of COVID. And so when we think about being a business leader, we, we talk about having integrity. We're talking about being authentic. And if you go to people's websites, that's all you see. We're authentic. We're 100% trustworthy. We're, we're transparent. But when you take a step back and you look at the individuals and you see how they behave and how they act, they don't always reflect the values that stated on the website. So as a leader, um, specifically because you had 10,000 people reporting to you, but as a leader who may have had two people, three people, or a couple of people report to you because you're the business owner, how can you, with a busy schedule, continue to go and meet with your individuals to ensure that they have not lost their way? that they still uphold the values of the organization, the uphold the values of the corporation, that they're still upholding the integrity that you put forth to your own consumers about who you are as an organization. Yeah, the, the point, Danny, that you're bringing up is, is one of my uh, personal passions, one of my, my hot buttons. Uh, but uh, when we look at corporate, and I'll start there, when we look at, at corporate America today, uh, there's been progress in naming um, uh, directors, uh, VPs, EVPs of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's been progress with corporate responsibility. There's been progress with uh, public responsibility. Um, and so, you know, even marketing it sometimes. But where there's not progress uh, consistently is in two areas. The first is, is uh, really having more men and women of color who have PL responsibility, who are actually influencing, uh, if not controlling, the, uh, the, uh, the, the earnings of the company is the only way to put it. And the second is in the ability to have a supplier base that is reflective of the customer base. And, and so as you go through this, those are the two areas where I think corporations uh, from an integrity perspective, have to do a much, much better job in, again, first appointing men and women to P&L responsibility. Uh, and, and when they have that P&L responsibility, that being uh, on the operating committee or management committee or executive committee uh, of the organization. And then second, in the supplier base, uh, the ability to give contracts uh, that, are, again, are consistent with the uh, customer base of the company, where where it is very difficult. And so the, now let me go, Danny, right at the, the question that you asked, where it is very difficult to hold companies responsible is there is no consistent reporting uh, publicly on either of those metrics. And so where, where you do have some minor reporting, uh, if you dig deeper into it, uh, there's often a uh, confluence or a mixing of women-owned businesses and men and women of color, you know, color businesses. 
uh, where where you have it'll just say minorities, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, but no definition of what minority means. Mm-hmm. And so as you go through this, uh, eventually, similar to what we talked earlier with the ESG comment, uh, there needs to be an independent organization that consistently issues standards and consistently measures uh, companies against both of those key measures, that's really the only way that you'll see uh, improvement because uh, if something is not measured, it doesn't get better on its own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so again, I think it'd be very difficult for any company, uh, particularly a small business, to hold a corporation accountable uh, for, uh, for the improvement it would have to be, in my opinion, an independent organization that has a common way of measuring success and a common way of reporting success across companies. Until that happens, it's going to be very difficult. So, so I know I, I didn't give you the answer, but, but I, uh, and certainly not one that's going to make a difference in the next six months. But I think long term, that's what has to happen. I'm going to put you on the spot, C-Mac. This is David. And yes. say, well, then how do we get to that point? How do we get there unless it is, let's say, initiated by the, the new administration coming in? Uh, how do we get that done? Because right now, the only choices that I think a lot of people are going to feel they have is to expose things through media or to do things on their own through their own social media accounts. But how can we really get there? I mean, what do you believe what do you believe will be the resolve for at least getting this going? Yeah, I think the, um, the difference is always, and I, and I, I say this um, uh, knowing that I may offer one answer and others may have three or four other ways to approach the problem. So, so uh, I want to be clear that my answer here is my opinion. Others may have different opinions that are completely valid. In my personal opinion, the, the real difference comes from corporate culture that decides that we're going to make a difference in this area, in these areas, and we're going to measure and report, and we're actually going to fund independent organizations to, to measure our progress. And... Uh, that is difficult to do, but again, I think that is the way that this really um, uh, turns because in, when you look at uh, the feeder pool, uh, there, there have to be a, a certain number of uh, people coming up through middle management, up through senior management to get to the top and to who are doing that through with P&L responsibility. Uh, I tell people you don't go from running public relations to running a P&L. You have to be coming up through the P&L uh, part of the organization. And in terms of awarding businesses, uh, awarding um, contracts, I think government is some of the answer, but I really think it's, it's more so that it's companies who are going to award those contracts. And uh, again, it can't be uh, we're ordering paper clips from a minority company. It has to be more so uh, those of, of functions, those uh, contracts that are that are at the core of the business, and and that's that's what makes a difference. Um, and so, uh, with you know, if you go back again, I'll go back to a personal example. One of the things that I'm most proud of is in every 
organization that I was a part of, I always worked hard at two things. One, promoting men and women of color to bigger responsibility. And my term that I used always was, I'm going to give you the opportunity to fail. Mm. And, and what do you mean? You, know, you want them to fail. I don't want them to fail. But often people are not given the opportunity to fail. And second, always seeking out uh, uh, businesses, uh, women-owned companies, uh, minority-owned companies, be it, uh, again, men and women of color who own those businesses, and saying, Let, let's find a way to do business. I want to find a way to, to contract with you. And I'd say third is reaching down into organizations and finding people who I thought had potential and saying, you know what, um, how can I help you to start your own small business? You say, but then you're on the corporate side, C-Mac, what were you doing? You're, you're having people leave the, your organization. Yes, because they were going to, they're running their own small business was going to be far more impactful to their community, to their family than, uh, than their current path uh, corporately. The, the quick story I would share was there was a young man uh, who, uh, who I literally uh, grabbed one day and said, hey, I want to have uh, breakfast with you. And uh, as we did, uh, and he seemed to be very bright, uh, very bright, but he was probably six, maybe seven levels uh, down in the organization. And, uh, and so he, and I asked him, I said, what is your dream? What do you want to do? And he said, look, I want to run the business. Here's the type of business I want to run. Da, da, da. I said, okay, great. Let's work together on a business plan. He's like, but you're an executive of this company. You're going to help me with a business plan? Yes, I'm going to do that. So we put together a business plan. He found me, I want to say, uh, maybe a year or so ago on LinkedIn. And he, he found me and he said, C-Mac, I want you to know that the morning that we had breakfast together, um, I, I didn't even own a suit. He said, I had to go to Goodwill to get a suit mm. so that I could wear a suit to breakfast with you. And he said, but second, I want you to know that I now run a $10 million business because the things that we put in place, mm. I did it. And I now am I'm in charge. I am the president and CEO and owner of a $10 million business. And he said, it all goes back to the time you spent with me, helping me to put together my business plan. And, uh, and I think that's what we have to do. We have to always turn back around and help those who are coming along. I love it. And that's fantastic, C-Mac. And what an incredible story. And just great to see him being successful. And I want to thank you for sharing that because we can't, at this point, minimize the impact we can have if we stick to what we really see in people, stick to our own guns of being men and women of great integrity. And I'll even say that back to what both of you alluded to with Warren Buffett, if you want to be able to build organizations around integrity and organizations that will reflect to the consumers, their clients, and to really the, the, the country that they're an organization trustworthy enough, you got to hire from the very beginning the right people. Yep. It's hard to change a ship when it's going full speed and you've got an emergency because something's coming up in front of you, whether it's an iceberg or what have you. It's easier when you hire the right people from the very beginning and you start grooming them and then eventually they start leading the organization from that corporate culture standpoint. So, you know, I want to just share that it's been uplifting, enlightening, encouraging. You've put so many things out there that Dan and I really are going to go back and think through. We've got to put this in future episodes 
because there's so much there that I believe that our listeners can gain and grow in because our target audience really is full of executives and mid-management professionals. And so I want to thank you, C-Mac, for joining us today. I want to thank you for your wisdom, your insight. Thank you for being involved in our lives here and helping us as we grow our brand, our influence, and really continue to stay in the battle for what we really want to see in our economy and our country and with our businesses. So on behalf of my twin brother, Danny Brown, I want to thank C-Mac for joining us today. If you are listening and you want to be a supporter of this podcast, continue to listen, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, but you can also become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com forward slash DSP Leadership Speaking, and you can continue to give us insight into what you want to see shaped with this podcast and even get a commercial spot with us. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, C-Mac, for being here. Great pleasure. And we continue to put together great programs because of leaders like you. Thank you again. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.